fans that are, you know, our, our new cable fans have not seen these two guys wrestle before. Now, I'm sure that Hulk and Andre had wrestled sometimes in the New York area, but the world had not seen these guys go against each other. Uh, wait, what's going on here? Hold on, man. What are you doing with him? Hogan and Andre are both on Piper's pit, and Andre comes out with Bobby the Brain Heenan. You're the reason I got into professional wrestling. You were like a god to me, a role model. You can't be here with him, man. Aligning yourself with Bobby the Brain Heenan is the most evil thing a professional wrestler can do, except maybe like slapping an old lady. He's sick and tired of you and what you stand for. It's the first time any wrestling fans had seen Andre turn heel. He had worked heel in Japan, um, but again, if it didn't happen on American TV, it doesn't count for the WWF. You're so jealous of this man, you can't stand it. This is the man for 15 years that is undefeated. But did you ever watch? Oh man, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. The company told the story so perfectly. This was, you know, Cain and Abel, man. Welcome to the Pull Apart Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Prophet Dude, Brother Jack, Brother Jack Dude. Are you imitating somebody, James? I can't tell who it is. <laughs> There's a lot of wrestlers that say Brother and Jack. The British and Bulldog? Yeah, yeah, that's who it is. The Union Jack. His oh. brother's in Great Britain, and he's bizarre, like a dude. <laughs> I'm biz- do, all right, do you know what I'm talking about when I mention that? I have no idea what you're talking about. In the 1997 Royal Rumble, they do kind of, it's different than like the 2013 and the late 80s, early 90s Rumbles, where they'll get like 20, 10 second, 15 second sound bites in a row from guys. Instead, throughout the show, they'll get like 10, 15 second sound bites from like three or four guys at a time. And one of them is the British Bulldog as he's walking into the arena, and he says, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble because I'm bizarre. And what that's it. I don't know what he means. I was going to say, for those of you who do not who know, oh my gosh, who do not know, that is not a catchphrase of the British Bulldog that he uses regularly. <laughs> that's. Yes, and if you're one of our listeners from overseas and you happen to be from the Great Britain area, first of all, thank you very much. Secondly, let us know if bizarre is slang for something that would make sense because in um, English, as it's understood in in the United States of America, that makes zero sense. Yeah, especially 1990s (laughs) uh, British (laughs) slang. (laughs) Well, we are not here to talk about the Bulldog. Um, unfortunately, I would love to do a podcast about him, but he didn't have any good feuds. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Bulldog. No, we are going from Kenny and Okada, two of the most obscure wrestlers, to a um, widespread maybe, audience. Yes, mainstream. Yeah, maybe the most famous feud of all time. Yeah. So we're covering Hulk 
Hogan. Wait, we're still not doing Coco Beware? That's next week. After this. <laughs> this keeps changing. I can't keep up. You know, there's too many good feuds to choose from for him. We gotta we gotta narrow it down. That's uh, right. So Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Yes, perhaps you've heard of either one of these gentlemen. Andre is, of course, best known for um, <laughs> being really freaking big. <laughs> yeah, being really freaking big. His legendary feud with Kamala, whereas Hulk Hogan is best known for his legendary feud with Billy Kidman. But also, they feuded with each other, too. And um, a few people knew about it, and it made a little bit of money. <laughs> I figured you'd bring up that movie that he was saying that you liked. Uh, (laughs) No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want a peanut? Yes, I'm a big fan of The Princess Bride. I have been, I think, since I was like seven years old, maybe. Okay. So I'm down for any reference. I am curious. So I I am not um, a big fan of that movie. I hope we're not losing listeners, but um, I'm curious... For context, was that was Andre? Was this before or after that movie? Was he like a gigantic superstar when that movie came out? So Andre was like the biggest draw of any professional wrestler in the 1970s. He was such a big draw that essentially he would go from territory to territory, and I think the belief that he had was that his attraction kind of had a shelf life, right? So he figured any time that he would come in, if he kind of went to the Midwest and then the Northeast and then the Southeast and then out West, you know, like every so often just stayed for a few months and then left, he would always be this special attraction. And he was, you know, like once a year, Andre the Giant would come in and those shows would always sell out, always. And then he made friends with Vince McMahon's dad, he trusted Vince's dad. He thought he was a good guy, trustworthy guy, and uh, he did right by Andre. So he let Vince Sr. start handling all of Andre's bookings, and Vince Sr. would kind of send Andre around to the other territories, blah, blah, blah. And then that's how he formed his relationship with Vince Jr. when Vince McMahon, as we know him now, started working for his dad. And he and Andre became acquainted, and then they became close. Stephanie McMahon talks about how close she was to Andre when she was a little girl. And and that's kind of it. You know, that's how they formed their relationship. So when The Princess Bride came out, Andre was already a massive star, but he was looking to retire from wrestling. And you want to tell that story? It's covered in the documentary that you love so much. Yes, I do love it. It's been a bit, so I'm a little hazy. But essentially, he's his body is breaking down, right? Right. Um, he's really freaking big. And the way that he wrestled at this point and um, kind of after this point was just very slow and didn't have a ton of, I mean, never had like high flying moves, obviously, but it was just clear that his body was breaking down. Um, they started putting him in tag matches more to just kind of give him rest in the middle of matches. I think mm-hmm. this, the match that we are building towards is like 12 minutes, which isn't crazy long. Um, so yeah, he he was a legend at this point, um, but 
definitely on the tail end of his career. Absolutely, yeah. He needed back surgery. Princess Bride was released in 1987, so it came out, I believe, after his heel turn. But he was filming the movie in 1986. Well, he was still a good guy. He was what? Well, he was still a good guy. Right, well, he was still a good guy. And he had told Vince, um, Vince Sr. had passed at this point, Vince Jr. is running the company. He told Vince McMahon that he pretty much, like, his, he was done. He just wanted to retire. Uh, he His back was in such bad shape that he couldn't lift up Robin Wright to do their scenes in The Princess Bride. They had to have kind of like support on the outside off camera, helping to hold her up where it looked like Andre was holding her. And, um, you know, Vince went to visit him and Andre, you know, again, he needed back surgery. He said, I'm, I'm done. Don't talk to me about wrestling. I, I just want to retire. And so Vince, again, cared a lot about Andre. He was close to him and he was reading it as Andre was just essentially going to do this movie and then kind of, go somewhere to die essentially and so vince pitched him the idea of the main event for wrestlemania 3 uh what if we turn you heel and what if we do you versus hulk we do it at wrestlemania we try to pack a massive arena and you know you could put hulk over as sort of like the flag bearer now and according to vince Andre immediately kind of got this like smile on his face and the way Vince describes it is he said like it almost gave him life like he went from seeing Andre as a guy ready to die to somebody that was now like okay 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 and how Vince read it was that Andre loved professional wrestling so much that this was something that Andre saw as a way to give back to wrestling, to take care of it for years and years, even after he was gone. And Vince said, like, knowing him, it's like he had to do it. Like, his heart wouldn't not let him do it. And it was it was nice to see him energized and happy again. So that was, like, um, like a year or so before Mania 3? It was in late 86, So, and we'll talk about, uh, in the prologue to the feud we're going to yep. do, we'll talk about what was going on with uh, the tag team stuff Josh was mentioning. But yeah, he had kind of stepped away from that tag team for a while to go film The Princess Bride. And that's when Vince pitched him, let's, let's do the match. And something we're going to go into too, they had kind of had this in the back of their head for quite a while. So, James, do you want to start at the, quote, beginning? Um, The Hogan winning the belt in 1984 was kind of the first time we see anything sparking here. Yeah, we're going to... Andre and Hawk actually had a feud in the 1970s. We're just going to skip over that because that has nothing to do with this feud at all. Okay. Hmm. For the purposes of this feud, that feud never happened. (laughs) The Andre Hawk WrestleMania 3 match, that's March 1987, to give this context, okay? The beginning of this feud is in January 1984, okay? So we're going like three years, two months of the build to it, and that's amazing. So Hulk Hogan comes into the WWF. He returns there in December of 1983, 
He is a surprise partner for a former champion, Bob Backlund, who had just gotten kind of cheated out of the title a little bit. And Backlund kind of endorses Hogan, says, you know, this isn't who Hulk used to be. He's a good man. He's a great person. And he's here to do right by the fans. And then if you've ever seen this interview, the interviewer kind of just puts the mic in front of Hulk and Hogan just eclipses the last champion on record, Bob Backlund, in charisma by like a thousand <laughs> ratings points. Wow. So, so yeah, like the fans are, you know, kind of like supporting Backlund. And then Hulk just starts like ranting and raving and like two to three sentences in, people are just like screaming for him. You know, they'd, they would be nuts not to put the title on him. He's changed his ways. He's a great man. He's told me he's not going to have Blasty around. I'm going to give him my hand and give him good luck. All right, Bob, you know something? I would like to thank Mr. Bob Backlund in the WWF for bringing the Hulkster back. But like they said, this is a different Hulk Hogan. And Hulkamania already went running wild. Just check it out, man. It just, it just turns me on, brother. Gene, it just turns me on. And I'm going to the top of the ladder. And I thank each and every one of you for bringing the Hulkster back here, Daddy. And so this is like late December 1983. One month later, January 23rd, 1984, the angle is that this is going to be Bob Backlund's rematch against the Iron Sheik, but his back is still too hurt from the camel clutch that Sheik won the title with to compete. So Hulk Hogan takes his place. Hulk Hogan steamrolls Iron Sheik in about five and a half minutes, wins the belt, Madison Square Garden goes nuts cheering for him. It's amazing. People are jumping up and down. And in the interview backstage after the match, you know, Gene Okerlund is there. He's interviewing Hulk. The first person to come in is Andre the Giant, and he pours champagne on Hogan's head. You know something, me, Gene? It is the dream of a lifetime, Daddy. Oh. And you know something? I can't imagine. This is like going to the mountaintop a thousand times over. I feel the energy. Hulkamania is running worldwide, and it just turns me on, me, Gene. And I felt every one of those 25, 30 plus thousand people with me standing behind me all the way, and it felt great. Well, you have arrived, Hulk Hogan. Have you never seen anything as beautiful as this, me, Gene? This belt is part of yours, too. It's everybody out there. Oh, 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 Andre the Giant congratulating the new heavyweight champion of the world. That's nice of you. I'm really proud of you. And you are a good wrestler. Oh, the champagne is flowing. Going into the boss thing, do you, are you familiar with the Andre Boss nickname? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, do you want to explain that real quick? That was his nickname, essentially, backstage, right? So that's what um, people called him that were essentially, like, real close friends. Yes, if you were a good guy on screen, you would call Andre the Giant boss. And like Josh said, backstage, Hogan has said on record before, people won't believe this, but there is a time when Vince McMahon Jr. wasn't the most powerful man in the WWF. That person was Andre the Giant. And out of respect, we would all call him Boss backstage. Awesome. Because he treated people right, and generally what he said is what went. Almost like the Undertaker's role, like years before, yeah. right? Kind of just exactly. holding court back there. 
<laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> That's a great comparison. And so Hogan winning the belt. Um, Andre's the first guy in. Like, Putski comes in. Um, Soul Man Rocky Johnson comes in. But Andre's the first. He's the only one that gets alone time one-on-one with Hawk. So the next thing we're going to talk about right now is... There's this sit-down interview with Hulk Hogan after he won the belt, and this is sort of like, you know, he's only been there a month, so this is kind of a get-to-know-you Hulk Hogan, and they had a few of these with him in different avenues. The one that we're talking about was actually on Hulkamania 1, the VHS, okay? And Vince McMahon asked him if there are any athletes that inspired him, but the one more than anyone was Andre the Giant. Hulkster, is there any one individual or maybe a group of individuals that have influenced you uh, more than others, either in or out of professional wrestling? Well, that's a really hard question, Mr. McMahon, but when I sit down and think about it, all the great ones, Bruno San Martino, the Johnny Valentines, all the Graham brothers, all the Valiants, all these dudes, the one that comes to mind that influenced me most, made me pattern my lifestyle after the dude, was Andre the Giant. Not only is he a giant physically, Mentally, he's a giant, he's a smart man, but he's got a giant heart in him. And when I saw the way the dude went out in the ring, manhandled people, could beat him any time he wanted to, that's what turned me on. The fact that he was a big dude, seven foot four, five hundred and some pounds, he didn't go out there and break bones and scar faces. The guy had an athlete, sporting heart, fair play, whatever you want to say about the guy, he would go out there and go out there to win. He wouldn't take cheap shots or shortcuts. He went out there to wrestle fair and square and beat the man in the center of the ring. And that really turned me on because the opponents he had in the ring, no matter how big they were, he could have broke them in half at any time. But he always played the straight and narrow, and I love that. He says his goal is to get as big as Andre. So this reminded me of like a quote that Ted Turner has. This is kind of the famous Ted Turner quote where he says, never set your goals so low that they're attainable. Mm-hmm. And so... To Hogan, this is sort of the unattainable goal. He said, I want to be as big as Andre the Giant. And he says this a few times. He always clarifies, I don't mean as big physically. You know, I can't make myself like seven foot five. He's a like steroids, be- right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But also, <laughs> also, he said, like, to me, you know, there's never going to be a bigger wrestling star than Andre the Giant. So if I could be as big as Andre in wrestling, that is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate success. But Josh, what did you think about this Hogan interview? Well, I was kind of curious about the, the timing of it, right? So, like, is this... There's going to be a lot of me asking you questions because this is not the era that I grew up in. But was this planned back then? I, I feel like I asked that with Brett and Owen, but it seems so um, correct to have right. it start back then and have this all building. But three years is just such a long time to be doing that. Um, it almost seems like we may be retrofitting it in. Is that which one is more accurate, do you think? So it's not retrofitting. It is something that, you know, they did, obviously. And I think they had two things going on here. Number one, Hogan me the new kind of the new guy who's now the face of the company. They figure, okay, we need to kind of give him a rub. So, you know, to give him trust with the fans, who are we going to say, like, is his guy? And so I believe they thought nobody would be better than Andre the Giant. If Hogan is associated with Andre, 
he's a star right away because they'll look at him as being close to Andre's level. And also, if he talks about how he looks up to Andre, that not only puts Andre over as like, wow, even the other top heroes look up to Andre. So Andre's like this superhero. But it also puts Hulk over because at that point, Andre the Giant had had about 15 straight years of being a good guy. So that makes you think, okay, his level of integrity is what he's shooting for, is what Andre has shown for the last 15 years. So it makes Hulk more, more trustworthy. It puts Andre over more. So that's the second thing. But the third thing also, in the back of their heads, I'm sure they're thinking, you know what? Hulk versus Andre, if we ever go that route, that would be huge. So it doesn't, again, a third layer, you always have this stuff in mind. Sure doesn't hurt to plant these seeds now, form this relationship really early. But not but not so much to where it's like, if you don't do it, it looks like you dropped the ball, right? So like, if Andre had said no, um, when Vince came to him three years later, two years later, it wasn't like the um, crowd or the audience, whatever, was just like, well, I guess we're never getting that Hogan-Andre feud. You know, like, it's just kind of like, ongoing storylines that just make sense you know right yeah and one thing that the wwf is really good about sometimes and in the 80s it's a bit more evident because less happened you know like now there's like uh star versus star matches every week on monday night raw and smackdown but back then they didn't happen nearly as often so when people would interact it was kind of this rare thing right as an example, uh, and so what I'm, where I'm going with that is that they would plan really long term, okay? As an example, when Randy Savage came in in 1985, he started trash-talking the two singles champions who were both good guys, Tito Santana and Hulk Hogan. And so because of that and because he was so good and got over so quickly, they did a couple of singles matches with Hogan and Savage. Okay, they thought like, okay, you know, let's test the waters here. Maybe we could do a run with Randy Savage against Hulk Hogan. And so after just like a few matches and a few different towns, Vince McMahon apparently, according to legend, said like, stop doing these matches right away. This is money. We just got to wait for the right time, and we will go back to this. And then so that was like 1985, late 85, okay? Mm -hmm. They waited two years to put Hogan and Savage together on screen as friends. And then they waited another year and a half to make them enemies. And then they finally did that big match that Vince thought would draw money at WrestleMania 5. And it was the most bought WrestleMania up to that point. So, yeah, they would think long-term. They'd plant seeds. They'd water them. One of the things Bruce Pritchard, one of Vince's inner circle guys, talks about on his podcast where he tells stories is they'll have these ideas and they'll think we're going to get to this, but we don't want to blow our wad right now because we're not doing it right now. So you just plant little seeds and like you water them every so often. And so 1984, we have the seed being planted here. Another seed was in 1985. Okay. So this is a little bit after WrestleMania. Um, Andre the Giant has a match at Madison Square Garden. He wins, and backstage interview, 
Mean Gene Okerlund says, Are we ever going to see the day when Andre the Giant would challenge Hulk Hogan? And Andre says, you know, people ask me that a lot. Do I want to be world champion? And I always say, no, I don't want to be the champion. I just want to be the giant. So, no, I don't have an interest in the world title now, but may- maybe someday. Maybe someday. Dun, dun, and that's dun. it. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. And that's 1985. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, again, they, they would ask Hulk Hogan, you know, like, what do you think about Andre the Giant? And Hogan, like, again, this would happen sporadically because he would talk about Andre being his role model when they're doing these personality profiles on him. And as world champion, he would always say, to me, Andre is bigger than the world title. I, I can't not think about, like, like Samoa Joe or, um, you know, different ones that are just always in the, like, periphery but not getting a belt. Um, I feel like back then it would just be too easy to think about if, if that just wasn't how they did it back then. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. And... It was something, you know, like it was not uncommon for top stars to not get titles. Okay. Yeah. Andre, you know, at that point, he never had a title. Uh, People were from maybe our childhood, like Jake the St. Roberts never had a title. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Again, it was a big deal when he won the Intercontinental title because he had never had a title. And so their whole angle was like, Roddy Piper's never been a champion. And whenever they have a Piper documentary piece, like they'll always have like two or three people saying, like, he didn't need a title. He was the world's best talker and one of the most entertaining wrestlers. So, as we see (laughs) during this feud, I mean, he's like the third main character just because of all of the Piper's pit and how great he is, even when he's not part of the feud, you know? Yeah, yeah, and one of the cool things that he would always talk about is, you know, he's the guy that essentially was the heel catalyst for WrestleMania 1. Mm-hmm. He'll always talk about what an honor it was to be the avenue to get to Hogan Andre at WrestleMania 3. And that's cool to have, like, yeah, that big of a star say, like, no, now this thing, this was the big deal. Yep. And just being the third man was an honor. That's cool. I mean, it is. It, it it's a lot of great like makings for a all time classic because you got him, and then Bobby Heenan just being amazing throughout this throughout this feud. Um, so good. <laughs> so yeah, one of the next things that we were we were watching a little bit on our playlist here and there were different tag matches which I was going to ask you about what we were talking about before. Are these some of the tag matches that they were putting Andre in just because he couldn't go anymore? Or was it more so to build him up as a um, him and Hogan or buddies kind of thing? So initially, this is like, at this point, you know, Andre has dumped the champagne. We all know that. Hogan keeps talking about Andre being his role model. And they've used the term best friend from Hogan when he's talking about Andre some. So they do some tag matches. Uh, Essentially, one time, uh, there are two tag matches we have on our watch list. One was just sort of an attraction. It was Hogan and Andre in a handicap match when those were very rare against tag team champions Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis, uh, a.k.a. the East-West Connection, 
and Big John Studd, who was a longtime rival of Andre. And so that was just sort of a cool, like, yeah, we'll get the two superheroes. They'll go two on three against three top bad guys, and they're going to vanquish them and win. And they vanquish them and won. Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan in a handicap match turn out to be victorious. You could kind of tell, and I, I'm obviously not bad-mouthing him, but watching some of these, like, Andre really does look, like, gassed, you know? Like, he he's struggling, and I just, I feel bad, like, watching him. You know how we we go back and watch some some wrestlers, and it's hard to watch because of different deaths or different CPE. things that happen to Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. And that that's kind of how I felt watching some of these. Um, and I, I'm not saying, like, Vince, you know, put him through. I know he was going to do whatever Andre wanted to do. But I, I could just see, like, and I don't know. I, I didn't go back and watch, like, 70s matches or early 80s. I don't know if he just always looked like that because he's just so big and just moves that way. But some of these tag matches, like this um, Adonis one and the uh, Stud and Bundy one, they both, he just kind of looks like he's struggling, which which works great because, you know, you're really also putting Hogan over at the same time. But um, how much is selling versus how much is reality, I guess. Okay. In the 80s, it was kind of reality. Andre... Previous, you know, prior to that, like in the very early 80s and the 70s for sure, he was actually quite agile. One of the big things with Andre, even up to like the early 80s, was if he had a steel cage match, like a blow-off match, the way he would finish the match would be he'd climb to the top rope and do a flying earthquake splash on his opponent. On... Andre the Giant did this? He'd jump off the top rope and do a sit-down splash. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Imagine being the guy to take that. Right. Like, Jesus. Uh, Yeah. He's a big dude. (laughs) He's a big dude, yeah. The um, stud match, the the first one with Murdoch and Adonis, he... He wins with an elbow drop, and I thought even that, which wasn't <laughs> very emphatic or anything, was still kind of like, God, like just to take that from him, like it just seems scary. <laughs> it does, and again, he's su- like you said, he's such a big guy that when he raises his arm in the air to do the elbow, that alone, the crowd goes like, oh! <laughs> and then when yeah. he drops normal elbow drop, there's just this like. <laughs> it's just cool too to see a, a different kind, you know, like the Macho Man and Sean and all those different ones over the years. Like such a high flying move, where this is just kind of a a brutal move. Um, it's cool. It is cool. It, it's very cool. Um, and so yeah, in the mid eighties, you know, he was kind of slowing down. So he kind of went from this like agile wonder to. He's still a wonder. He can still get around some, but it's more of a, a fee-fi-fo-fum type giant. You know, yeah. moves kind of slow, and it's just impossible to get off his feet. Fun. So, right. yeah, the next tag match we have on our list, Hogan and Andre against Bundy and Stud from Saturday night's main event. Mm-hmm. 
the cool thing about this one is that again Bundy and Stud at that time were the number one and number two bad guys so it's the top two good guys against the top two bad guys and the match ends on a DQ when Stud and Bundy kind of knock Hogan down beat him up Hogan by the way had taken a beating in this match he's super sweaty and then they tie Andre up in the ropes and just like start waffling on him combined each of them you know Mm-hmm. And then you see Hogan kind of struggle to his feet and he looks dead, but he sees Andre getting beat up and he uses like his last bit of energy just to run over and try to save Andre. And he does, you know, and that's it. You know, heroes win by disqualification. They're not satisfied. You know, they want they want to fight more. But in the high side of where we're going, it's sort of this cool thing like, OK. Hogan just saved his hero. We see Hogan save Andre. And he re- and so you think he really does care a lot about him. Yep. Oh no! Andre the Giant being kicked in the back. Double team effort now. Nunez hammering away into the cracked sternum he suffered some months ago. Look at Big John Stark. Bundy getting in his legs. But then you also have the whole the whole like wrestler mentality of like I don't need saved. <laughs> Are you trying to take my take my limelight? That whole um, that whole angle, right? <laughs> right. Which um, actually played into a heel turn. I guess the next year when one of Hulk's buddies, Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, turned heel on Hulk, kind of accused him of being a glory hog yeah which is uh i don't know i i there was something later on i'll have to remember but i felt like they were going that route a little bit with entree um yeah where, for sure you know it's it's freaking hulk hogan he's like the most popular person in the in the country and andre's used to being the guy that gets all the glory and all the fame and stuff and I don't know. I, I still like always wonder about <laughs> what's real and what's fake. Because, um, you know, the stories of, of Hogan just being that way, like in the 90s and everything, and just like oh, yeah. kind of hanging on to it long too long. And even in the documentary, you know, you could see him kind of saying, like if you read between the lines, saying some, some of that kind of stuff, owning up to it. And um, I, I felt like he kind of in that documentary some sort of regret about like this whole thing the next thing on our list is Heenan confronting Jack Tunney about Andre suspensions suspension so I, I really <laughs> so much fun. I really hate to keep doing this James but real fast I, I could have googled this I was thinking it when I was watching I was like no I'm not going to google it I want to see what James says um, Jack Tunney right I remember when I was a kid that was like an ongoing thing where he was the president. He was the guy that handed out like suspensions or did like contract signings and all that kind of stuff. Is he 100% uh, just a character or is there any validity to him being, I mean, cause clearly Vince runs the show, but was this just like they needed a figurehead to be 
um, on camera for this kind of role, or what's the deal with Jack Tunney? <laughs> it was both of the things that you just said. Okay. So uh, essentially, they wanted a figurehead to kind of be the quote unquote president to kind of push angles, essentially. So if they had a bad guy injure a bunch of referees or kind of scrubs, Jack Tunney would say, like, this wrestler has been fined $25,000 or something like that. Or he'd be there for, you know, the contract signing with Hogan and Andre later on. Who he was in real life, he was uh, the WWF's promoter of Canadian events. And so he was under employment. Somebody just sort of thought, like, he looks kind of presidential. Let's use him. And that was it. They put him on TV. It was definitely believable. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good choice. You know, the look was there. He looked like a president, and that's who he was. So did they just not want Vince to have that role yet? Vince McMahon, in the 70s, before he owned the company, he had been an on-screen announcer. Okay, he had been an interviewer, and the fact that his father owned the company was never talked about. Like, there wasn't a an authority figure or a commissioner or anything like that. That just wasn't how they wrote wrestling. Okay. Not like a guest GM or anything. Right. Yeah. No guest GM. <laughs> like, Oh, here's Ed two tall Jones is this week's special host of championship <laughs> wrestling from the chase or whatever. So when Vince, you know, bought the company out from his father, he was already an on-screen character, so he just kept being the same announcer slash commentator. And again, they didn't really do like these work shoot things so much back then. We're like, oh, it's real life. Let's incorporate this into the story. It was just like, well, what's going to be the best story? And again, things moved at a much slower pace. You know, um, there was still in '87, it was mostly gone, but you know, back. 83, there was still kind of that protect the business mentality, you know, like, don't blink, don't admit it's fake. If somebody challenges you to a fight, fight and win, (laughs) that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's why, like, Vince just, he was already a character, so there was no need to make him the president. And then Brett had to go and screw that all up? Is that what you're saying? And that's the point where, like, I think... Again, publicly, they admitted wrestling was fake, like, around 1985. And there was a business reason to do that. You know, they essentially got to save money on paying for, like, whoever to attend sporting events. If they say, like, no, we're entertainment. We're not a sport. We don't need that. Yeah. It's predetermined. You had brought up the Jack Tunney thing with Bobby Heenan. Yes. So, (laughs) uh do you know about the machines angle? Well, I do now, and it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I want, I want a machines T-shirt. It's Fantastic. so fun. I was, I was telling Jess, um, you know, there's a lot of like, we'll just say racially questionable things in the WWE's past, um, and so when this they first started talking about this, I was scared, and I just thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So basically what happens is Andre gets suspended. Um, I don't really remember ever really seeing why. Do you know what yeah, the reason so, was? 
it's re- I could not find any footage of this. I wanted to include it, but essentially, Andre misses two matches, and I All think they're against Bobby Heenan's people, right? Yeah. And so the the implication is, you know, Andre had never no showed before, and Bobby Heenan was saying like, you can't trust Andre. He's just not even showing up, and so the okay. kind of yeah implication was like, oh, Heenan is somehow responsible for. Like, I think one was, like, Andre had a car accident. And, like, did Bobby Heenan pay somebody to run into Andre's car so he couldn't make it to the arena on time? And I think another time he got, like, locked in his locker room, but he couldn't prove it. <laughs> and so Bobby Heenan's going, like, you can't trust Andre. He's just no-showing. And so Jack Tony said, like, we have to provide for our fans. I hate doing it because Andre's never been like this. But I have to indefinitely suspend Andre the Giant for not showing up to events. Gotcha. And then so, so Bobby yeah. Heenan's yeah, Bobby Heenan's in all his glory, like Andre, you know, you can never trust him. I told everybody, can't trust Andre. And because Andre is the ultimate good guy, you know he is not doing what Bobby Heenan said he did. Yeah. Something and then uh... ar- <laughs> Yeah, and then around this time they start showing these essentially just like 10 second vignettes of two guys in black and white, black and silver mask. And they're just like, well, WWE has, WWF has two new signees coming from Japan. We understand they're called the machines. And all you would see are their mask. That's it. Just like two people with mask close-ups. You have no idea what's going on. And so Josh, you want to take it from there? Yeah, I think they're called, um, is it Super Machine and Giant Machine? or Right, yeah. So when they finally show up on TV, they walk out. One guy's really big. He's a Super Machine. And the other guy's even bigger, and he's called the Giant Machine. <laughs> he has the bodily dimensions of Andre the Giant, but he's wearing a mask. Oh, uh, that's so, amazing. So... Yeah, and so like, they would, like, Bobby Heenan, you know, when they show this in primetime wrestling, you know, they're like, ladies and gentlemen, the machines, where are you from? And then Andre in his really thick French accent would say, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so they'd go to primetime grill is like, wow, did you see the size of giant machine? I don't think I've ever seen somebody that big. Well, maybe once before, but and by me, he's like, giant machine. Are you kidding me? The giant machine. The girl's like, what? Like, Giant machine monsoon. Who else is a giant? It's like, well, I know Big John Sud's not a giant. Big John Sud is a giant, but that is Andre the Giant. That is Andre. Monsoon's like, that that can't be Andre the Giant. It's like, why? Why can't that be Andre? He's like, well, number one, he's from Japan. Number two, Andre doesn't wear a mask. And Bobby would just like slap the table, like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I love like Keenan being the voice of reason. (laughs) Like losing his mind because he's like the only one that's making any sense yes and like the good guys would never blink you know and so they have this interaction where bobby heenan tells jack tunney you know like it's obvious that is andre the giant and jack tunney says the name on the contract says giant machine (laughs) yes let me just explain something kenny the uh Suspending Andre the Giant was one of the worst things I had to do uh, as president of the WWF. However, I had no choice. He failed to appear for a couple of matches that he had contracted for. Also, he failed to appear for the hearing, which uh, I really can't understand because Andre is uh, not that type of man. 
Very dependable man, great athlete. Obviously something unusual on the part of the giant. Well, this is what I can't, uh, it doesn't make any sense, really, because he, he's just not like that. Mr. President, may I congratulate you on your decision? You have made my day. You've made my life. You talk about Andre the Giant, how he, an honorable man. I told you about him. You should have listened to me. You people should have listened to me. He chickened out. He backed out. Didn't even have the, the, the gumption to show up for a hearing. And now he's back, or he's trying to come back with somebody else as a partner, calling himself the giant machine, the super machines as partner. You know it. I know it. We all know it. That is Andre the Giant. They're Japanese wrestlers. They have Japanese oh. passports. It's, uh, uh, it could be uh, Giant Baba. Mr. President, please don't make yourself look bad in front of the people. That's Andre the Giant. I know it. The man speaks like Andre the Giant. There's no Japanese wrestler seven foot five. You know that and I know it. Thirty of them aren't seven feet five. Mr. Heenan, if you can prove that that's Andre the Giant, I'll suspend him for life. Bobby says, like, if I can prove... That's Andre the Giant. Tony says, if you can unmask him and prove that's Andre the Giant, then we'll suspend him permanently. He'll be suspended for life. And so Hena says, like, okay, Andre, I know it's you. And again, the good guys on commentary, they would never blink. And again, you said it's so fun seeing Bobby Heenan as, like, the only voice of reason. <laughs> he, like, starts to get unraveled as, like, the weeks pass. Yeah. He's like, I'm not sleeping. Nothing's making sense. Nothing's making sense. <laughs> so, um, one of my... The very beginning when they first show up, they have a funny thing where they're asking him. I guess it was Mean Gene was asking like, if they had any tr- trouble with their visas?" And he's like, "Nope, no trouble with their visas." And like you said, they get Andre to talk, and it's just like so obviously Andre. Right. Um, <laughs> Bobby um, says something about like them coming from Japan, and he says. 30 of them means seven foot five. <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to just talk about how they're, you know, it's clear. But, and I looked it up. The other guy is Axe from, uh, it's a demolition. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went on to be Axe. At that time, he had been a wrestler called Masked Superstar. Oh, nice. And, yeah. Good wrestler. And yeah. So what happens is like Bobby Hughes was like, right, I'm going to unmask you. And, the machines say we'll only fight you in six-man tag matches where it's Stud and Bundy, who are like the two top bad guys, mm-hmm. and your partner, Bobby the Brain Heenan. So Heenan, if you want to unmask us, you have to put something up too. You have to get in the ring. <laughs> uh-huh. And so then it would be like the machines would need a third partner to make it three on three, right? Yep. And so then it would be like, we've called in one of our friends who, you know, we told him about the six-man tag that Bobby Heenan would be in the ring. He flew all the way from Tokyo because he said he'd fly halfway around the world to get his hands on the weasel. This is our friend, the Hulk machine. (laughs) He'd be like, well, you know something, dude. I just flew in from Japan, brother. I love it because, like, in the middle of his title run, and he doesn't care at all to just be like (laughs) Uber. I know it's so much fun. It's like Domo Origato for telling me about this dude. <laughs> I was like <laughs> making sure with Jess. I'm like, this is not racist, right? Because I want to love it. I just came from the Mid City Gym where Hulk Hogan trains in New York City on 48th and 8th. And I said, how much can the dude bench press, man? How much can Hulk Hogan bench press? 
So what I did was I get under the bench, 726 pounds, one more pound than Hulk Hogan can do, and I bench pressed it five times, man, five times. And all the people in the Mid-City Gym, they couldn't believe their eyes. They started fripping out. Fripping out. Fripping out. Fripping out. Yes. Fripping out. And Gorilla Monsoon. I was asking where Hulk Hogan was because after the workout, I taped my arm and it was 24 and a half inches, man. One half inch bigger than Hulk Hogan. Like, I don't think it's, they're not doing like, you know, impersonations or anything. They're, they're speaking in their own exact voice. They just are <laughs> have masks on. That's the only thing. There is the one thing, and again, I thought this was more cute than uh, it was the '80s. I know they're trying to be cute. That's true, but yeah, so, still, it's the well, '80s. Yeah, it was so much fun. It it was, I don't know, like you said, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I just thought it was so funny and so like I don't know. You, it's almost always like the heels that are doing that kind of thing, and so to see it being the faces and like. Like you said, them playing it straight and Bobby Heenan losing his mind. I mean, it's it's gold. So yeah, it's um, great. <laughs> yeah. So go back and check that out if you can, because it's it's pretty funny. Um, so let's see here. So so Jack this Honey, goes on for a few months. Yeah. yeah, and like they have other machines. They have the Piper machine who will talk about. You know, he caught a flight to Scotland after leaving Japan and then came over to America. And again, everybody always talks about being from Japan and it's always super obvious who the third person was just to, again, like mess with Bobby Heenan and make it even more of a in your face type joke. So, so eventually Andre gets reinstated, um, as Andre. (laughs) So Andre disappears for a couple months. They get another machine to take his place. This guy called the, um, I think the big machine, right? Yeah. And so that one was actually a former wrestler, Barry Windham's dad, Blackjack Mulligan, Bray Wyatt's uh, grandfather. That's who played that role. And in December, one week, Jack Tunney has an announcement where he says, Yes, it's true, and I'm very happy that Andre the Giant has been reinstated in the World Wrestling Federation. I know you're all interested in what went on at the reinstatement hearing. All I can tell you at this time is that Andre was a no-show, and Bobby Heenan was there. And that's it. It's like a 20-second clip, but right away, you're, you know, as a fan, you're like, okay, Andre reinstated, that's huge. But he didn't attend the hearing. I thought he got suspended for not attending things. What's going yeah. on there? It's a big no-shower. Big no-shower. <laughs> and because... Now, you know where we're going. It might seem like it's obvious, like, okay, they're going to turn Andre heel, right? The problem with that line of thinking is Andre had been a good guy for 15 years. <laughs> And he had been held up as, like, the ultimate conscience, like, the ultimate hero in the WWF for, like, the last five to ten, okay? So, watching this, you know, you're if you're like me, you know, putting this in context, and again, like, at, at the time I didn't know any of this. I didn't start watching until, like, Andre had just turned bad, essentially, okay? 
but putting it in context and like, okay, so the thinking would be they're trying to kind of tease that maybe he is his manager, but they're going to reveal Andre had to strike some kind of deal where there's going to be a match maybe. And if Heenan's guy wins, Andre has to retire for good and never come back in any way. And Andre had to like make this deal in order to get to come back. It's and it's in the back of your mind, like, did Andre turn bad? Then you think like, no, no, no. He he's Andre. They wouldn't turn Andre. Right? Yep. Okay. Well and and so, like even the meta um like worldview wasn't there yet. Like you said, like they had just admitted that this is all predetermined and I'm sure it took a few years to really sink in for fans where that you know what I mean? I just don't think people were it thinking, did. like, what are they going to plan next? It was more like an actual just show that they watched and let it unfold. The next week, they <laughs> go to speak in front of an obvious blue screen on the streets of London where a guy interviews Andre. Very lucky to have with us in London today, Andre the Giant. It's great to see you, Andre. It's great to be back. So you're about to return to the World Wrestling Federation action that uh, must have been a tough time for you being away. It's a tough time, but uh, I got to surprise all the wrestling fans. And believe me, I got to have a great surprise for you. I'll be back all the way. They don't talk about Bobby Heenan. They don't even act like there's any kind of suspicion going on. This is just like, yeah, same Andre. We've always known. Friendly guy. He's excited to come back to wrestling. It's sort of this cool just reminder, like, oh, yeah, things are the same as always, you know. Things are good. Gotcha. That's be- before and after the Gorilla Heenan stuff. Is that right? That's that one. I think so, okay. yeah. This is, um, yeah, and so Gorilla Heenan on Primetime Wrestling, they would, Gorilla would say, what were you doing at that hearing? And Bobby Heenan would say, like, I'm up. I don't know. He would just like change the subject, right? I <laughs> say, like Gorilla together so much. They're so good. <laughs> I he think always he just... looks so pissed off at him. <laughs> like he plays that really well. Bobby Heenan, you mean at Gorilla? No, no Gorilla at Bobby. Like he's just so like disgusted with him all the time. Yeah, he's just like done with him constantly. <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> Will you stop? And so, yeah, anytime Grill would ask Bobby Heenan, like, what are you up to? Why were you at Andre the Giant's hearing? What is going on? What What are you planning? What sneaky things going on? And it was always kind of implied, what are you doing to Andre? And Bobby Heenan would say, like, can a man just go places? I'll tell you, the other day I was going down the street. I, I got the best hamburger. Girl's like, we're not talking about hamburgers. We're talking about Andre the Giant. It's like, well, Andre, I'm sure he's had some good hamburgers too, but this one that I had, it's like, alright, we're gonna go to break right now. Give me a Hello. Break. What went down at the hearing? Meeting? Hello. You have more trouble with telephones than any five people that I know. I'm expecting important calls so I can clear... Hello. So I can clear this whole thing up with you. If you, why is this thing ringing and I've highly, got the receiver off the hook? Highly unlikely that we're ever going to get to the bottom of what transpired Hello. at the reinstatement here of Andre the Giant. But oh, in fact, the good news is that Andre the Giant has been reinstated to the World Wrestling Federation. And so it was always kind of that. If Grill tried to ask him about it, Bobby Heenan would 
either say like, I just don't have anything to say at the moment, or he would change the subject in kind of a comedic way. It might kind of seem like, oh, it's kind of obvious that Bobby Heenan is siding with Andre. But at the time, again, like in context, it wouldn't have seemed obvious at all. It just would have seemed like Bobby Heenan's up to something. Yeah, he was always just doing that kind of stuff. So it's just like uh, mixed in with all the other times. Now at this point in the story, we're going to, if you're on the network, this is Primetime Wrestling from December 11th, 1986. Jesse Ventura on commentary had, again, kind of gotten suspicious, like something's going on here. What's going on? And so he has a backstage interview with Jack Tunney. Jesse... Ask Tony, you know, what happened at the hearing? Tony says, well, Andre was reinstated. And Jesse says, like, was Andre the Giant there? And Tony kind of confirms, like, Andre wasn't there. He's like, not showing up. That's why he got suspended in the first place. Was Bobby Heenan there? He's like, yeah, Bobby Heenan was there. He's like, and he let this happen? What What is going on, Tony? And Tony kind of says, like, I feel like I've already said too much. I can't speak about it at this time. <laughs> And, and some foreshadowing of what would happen like gosh 20 years later jesse starts talking about conspiracy <laughs> yeah i had that note as um let me see one of the other one of the later ones it was a, sa- a similar thing where he's just like jesse is playing himself <laughs> Yes, yeah. I think he says like Tony trying to get information from you is like trying to get through all the Reagan tape or something like that. Out of the clear blue, the man is brought back into wrestling. Tell me, let me tell you, Jesse. The uh, hearing I presided over as the president of WWF was the most unusual one I've ever attended. Hearing the hearing, yes. And uh, well, what went on at this hearing? Well, the outcome was uh, just bizarre. Just bizarre. Well, tell us. I mean, the camera's out there. I want to know. The people want to know. Well, I'd rather not say too much uh, at the moment. Well, wait wait a minute, Tony. Andre the Giant's back wrestling. You don't want to talk about it. Was Andre at this hearing? No, Andre was not at the meeting. No? No. You're telling me he doesn't even show up for the hearing? I mean, that's what got him suspended before. How could he be reinstated if he wasn't there? As I say, it was bizarre. Was Bobby Heenan there? Bobby Heenan was there. Bobby Heenan was there? Yes, he was. What did Mr. Heenan have to say to all this? I'm sorry, that's privileged information. Tony, I'm tired of you privileged information. Jesse the Body Ventura is the man who needs to know, who needs to get it out to the World Wrestling Federation. I'll find out. I realize your lips are sealed. You probably don't even know what went on there anyway. But I'll tell you what, the body will get to the bottom of this. All right, Jesse, come on, tell us more now. What's, what's happening? Well, I'll tell you, McMahon, I don't know no more than that. Now, I'll tell you, it I verifies something for me. It shows me you don't have to have brains to be president. Oh, yeah, this is, this is later, but there's a Piper Pitt one with the, about the trophies and stuff, and he's doing the same thing. He's just like, I mean, he straight up looks like a conspiracy nut. Like, yeah, he's like, uh, this is bigger than Watergate. It's bigger than Iran Gate. <laughs> it's amazing (laughs) oh man and so that's about it and so they go back to jesse on commentary on that episode and he's saying like you know tunny we all know we can't trust trust president tunny and this is like give me a break it's like but i'll get to the bottom of this and so the next week jesse he interviews bobby heenan in like the same format in front of a green screen 
I got nothing out of Jack Tunney other than some meeting took place in which Andre didn't even attend this meeting and he was totally reinstated. Now that is beyond me. But Tunney did say one thing, Bobby. He said that you attended this meeting. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, being at the, what happened at this meeting? Andre the Giant was reinstated. He was, and you let this happen? I mean, you I, let this seven foot four freak of nature wait back into wrestling? Wait a minute. There's no reason Andre the Giant shouldn't be back in professional wrestling. What? He's seven feet four. He weighs over 500 pounds. He's the most agile and coordinated human being in the world today for his size. There's no reason he shouldn't be in professional wrestling. You're saying this, Bobby Heaton? You're saying Andre the Giant should be back? He, you stood there at this meeting and allowed him back? Hey, I don't have to answer to you or anybody else. Andre the Giant is back, and at the end of every sentence is a period. Wait just a minute. You wait a minute. You got to answer to me because I got to get to the bottom of this. The body's got to find out what is going on here with Andre the Giant as well as with Bobby Heenan. I sure would like to know myself. Any further comment on that, Jesse Ventura? Well, I'll tell you what. There's... I, I'm, I'm speechless for once, McMahon. I don't understand it. You know, Heenan's been my friend for years and told me nothing. The saga now is Jesse Ventura thinks there's some kind of conspiracy going on. That's everybody's hiding something. And he's just interviewing people one by one to get to the bottom. And so Jesse interviews Andre. He uh, kind of puts it to Andre. Andre says, you know, kind of gives Jesse a side look, which is all Andre has to do to get people to back up. And Andre just says, like, frankly, this is none of your business. And he says it, like, quite, like, friendly, like, normal, jovial Andre the Giant, okay? Nothing sinister, nothing heel-like. Were you at the hearing when the suspension was lifted? No. Bobby Heenan was at that hearing, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, tell me what went on. How could the suspension of you be lifted in the World Wrestling Federation? I think it's none of your business. It's my business. The body's got to know. The body's got to find out. There's another one um, that we're going to talk about, the snake pit with Andre. And so Jake, and Jake, Jake asked him directly. And it's like no information given in it. I don't know if like you, you know, you watch like three or four of these over and over. It feels like a lot longer of a time period because it was really only a couple weeks. Um, it but it just... Is it really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like these oh, four or five fuck. segments, it was like yeah. one a week, you know? Like, they they did a good time teasing it out. They did really good. And I, Andre really plays it well, just like like you said, just giving them looks or just, like, kind of... He does this thing a few times where he just kind of, like, does, like, a sly grin. Um, where it's like he's he's up to something, but you don't know exactly what it is. I like the snake pit when he... He compares Damien to a garter snake, which is kind of funny. Um, Jake says something kind of passively threatening, like, do you like my friend? Isn't he nice? But whenever I look at you, I kind of wonder even if Damien here could squeeze the air out of you wrapped around your neck. It makes me wonder. You know Damien, don't you, my fine friend here? Don't you think he's nice? What is it, a garter snake? A garter snake? No, that's a python, man. A python's a very dangerous snake. Now, we might have to get a bigger one to take care of you, but I'm sure there might be one somewhere. Now, you take it easy, all right? Doesn't he look good? I bet he could handle 
someone like you, maybe even, and Andrew goes, oh, you mean your garter snake? And Jake, like, flips. I was like, Gert, no, it's a python, man, that's a python. And then Andre again tilts his head, and Jake's like, whoa, whoa, calm down, calm down, calm down. Let's just take it easy, big man, okay? It's a freaking gigantic python. Uh, <laughs> right. Which is kind of funny, James. I'm going to give you a little, I'm sure you know it, but my cousin Bud, shout out, shout out to Bud, uh, real hey, name Bud. Aaron. Um, texted me the other day and said, trick question, who eliminated Andre in the 1989 Royal Rumble? Do you know who it was, James? It was Andre eliminated Andre because he was running away from Damien the Snake. Yeah, (laughs) they ran the angle that Andre, again, could like beat the crap out of anybody, but he was terrified of snakes. Which is just what I thought it was just funny because like in this, um, in this Snake Pit interview, he's, like, dismissive of him. But, um, yeah, Jake, Jake, back then, I swear, man, he is just, like, a scary dude. <laughs> like, yeah. even, his, even his just little interview backstage, like, kind of things like the Snake Pit were, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just, like, always thinking about that SummerSlam, but, yeah, he's scary. Sweet Elizabeth, you know how much fun we've had before. Well, sweetheart, trust me. If you show up tonight, we're going to have some more fun, you see, because some things are worth doing twice. I wanted to take a step back. Um, We're in the tail end of 1986 now. So if he won the belt in, what was it, 84? January 23rd, 1984, the day Hulkamania was born. Well, I was going to say, I I don't uh, know the the arc of all this. Was Hulkamania the entire kind of title run, or did it peak sometime and now it's like past it, or has it not peaked yet? What's that kind of like as far as just crowd obsession with him? So... WWF and professional wrestling as a whole, and you could argue Gorgeous George during the advent of television, but aside from arguably Gorgeous George, professional wrestling had never been as popular as it was with Hulk Hogan as WWF champion. So the reason I bring that up is because you brought up like, is this his peak? You know, the Hmm. peak kept changing. Like, when he won the titles, like, oh, man, this is, like, amazing. And three months later, you know, they're showing out MSG constantly. Celebrities are showing up to shows. They're like, wow, this is this is huge. This is a peak for WWF. And then, like, three months after that, they're on MTV. Like, oh, my gosh, mate, this is the peak of wrestling. And then a month after that, you know, like, maybe, like, two months after that, three months, they're doing WrestleMania, WrestleMania, you know, like, oh my gosh, Mr. T, Cindy Lauper, you know, Liberace's there, Billy Martin. Um, this is the peak of wrestling. And then two months after that, they're on NBC once a month with Saturday, Saturday night's main event. Like, wow, network television for the first time since the sixties, man, this is biggest wrestling has ever been. And then WrestleMania three comes along and, now that's the new biggest wrestling has ever been. So it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
which again, the rise of Hawk was the rise of professional wrestling, which is one of the most fascinating things about him. His fortunes, wrestling's fortunes followed Hulk Hogan. And that heel turn interview he gives in WCW, remember that? Yep. Where he has this line where he says, you know, it came to pass that the name Hulk Hogan was bigger than professional wrestling. And one of the reasons that's such a good heel line is it wasn't entirely untrue. <laughs> yeah. Can we uh, hit the snake pit one more time? Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned like how great Andre is at deflecting all this stuff. I like the line where Jake kind of compares everything to a book. And he asks Andre what his story is. And Andre just says, this book is a mystery. And <laughs> that's the answer. Jake just goes like, um, if you say it's a mystery, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> like, okay, I won't push it further. Yeah, he's, he's really good at giving, because like, I think the way he talks, too, um, where it's kind of hard to understand what he's saying, makes you le- lean in a little bit and then makes what he's saying a little bit more important. Um, yeah. And just the fact that he doesn't text, talk so. all that much either, so... Good po- yeah, good point. Yeah. All right. So, what were you gonna bring up? Well, the um, so there's a match with Hogan and Kamala, which um, this is 1986, but we were, I mean, we were like 1228 before. Is this the very end of 86, or is it just kind of random? This is the very end of 86. This is not televised. It's just for a house show. Okay. But this is we included this because it's one of the first. Maybe the first major thing, and maybe the only one they did prior to what they did on television, where it kind of hints like maybe not everything's okay with Hogan and Andre. Yeah, what I thought was crazy about this is if um, you notice, so basically Andre comes out um, during Hogan's posing celebration. Yes, and the announcer is just like, Andre the Giant, Hogan's best friend, just came back. Ben Reen stated, you gotta think he's out here to congratulate Hulk. And he does the whole thing where Hulk is flexing and doesn't realize he's right behind him. So even just that is enough to make you think like something might happen, but he picks up the belt. Um, yeah, Hogan he, had the belt on the ground. Yeah. And he just kind of looks at it and then slowly hands it to him and, and walks out. But but Hogan is looking all like kind of confused. But I don't know if you noticed this, James, but the crowd throws garbage in the ring. No, <laughs> like, I didn't. I could, I could be wrong. It could have just been like, you know, it's a clearly like house show VHS or whatever. So it's hard to tell. But I was like, are they just that obsessed with Hulk Hogan that even like a hint of somebody doing something bad to him, they throw garbage in the ring? I, I kind of want to go back and watch it because I thought maybe that was the case but um there's just a few things like that throughout this feud where the crowd like just the 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 buzz and the (laughs) arena is like up and down depending on anything like that has to do with hogan it's like they're it's all just centered around him which was yeah yeah excuse me yeah hogan really was that popular you know he really was so andre comes in the ring picks up the belt hogan kind of holds his hands out like hey thank you and andre just sort of holds the belt for a good like 
20, 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And to the point where Hogan kind of looks at the fans, he's like, okay, all right. And sticks his hands out again, and Andre just keeps holding it, and Hogan almost is like begging for it, like, what's going on? You know, what's going on? And Andre finally just hands him the belt and walks off, and Hogan, you know, like, point, when Andre's walking off, Hogan points to Andre, gives him, like, the thumbs up, you know, like, give point, like, that's the man right there. And the announcers are like, well, it didn't have a lot to say, but that's Andre, you know, he's a man of few words. And, again, it's kind of this cool thing where the way they treated that was to act like if you're just trusting the announcers, like, oh, everything's normal. But as the viewer, you're thinking, like, something wasn't quite right about that. Right. But like you said, it's a house show, so I almost wondered if they were building it up just more, just to, like, test it almost, you know? Um, I would bet you're right, yeah. That brings us to the Piper's Pit in January of the next year, where, (laughs) James, you're going to have to do some more explaining to me, because Piper, uh, Roddy Piper, is out there, you know, being great, and he's got this gigantic freaking trophy um, that, at least these days, I think looks like he got it at Goodwill, but apparently... (laughs) Back then, he's playing it off as if it's this really freaking awesome award. Um, he's giving it to Hogan for being Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, it, this one makes a little bit more sense than the next one, but this one essentially is a, like, hey, you've been champion for three years. Like, that's a big deal. Um, yeah, Jack Tunney gave Hulk Hogan a uh, trophy on the three-year anniversary of him winning the world title. Let me read what it says on this trophy. Three years ago this week, you captured the WWF Heavyweight Championship belt in a memorable battle. You are one of the greatest professional athletes in the history of sports. You are a champion who has raised wrestling to heights never before scaled. You are one of America's most patriotic citizens. You are loved and idolized by men, women, and children of all ages. You are the single most recognizable star in the entire world. We salute you on the third anniversary of your reign. Let's all honor the one and only Hulk Hogan. So, so Hogan comes out, and I swear, you would have thought he won a million dollars. I mean, he was just so <laughs> excited for this trophy. Uh, and you would have thought everybody in the audience was like his immediate family for yeah. as excited as they were it's for him so to get bizarre. this trophy. I don't, I'm sure there was a time when trophies meant more than they do now, but... <laughs> You know, like, we've got just a a bunch of just, like, dumb little trophies from when we were, like, in T-ball and whatever else, and they just don't mean anything. And so watching this now, it's just kind of like, what are you talking about? But this is the wrestling rarity where they introduce a trophy and it does not get smashed. (laughs) And, And also, like, it's not a... It's not like a championship belt or anything. So, um, 
I don't know, for me, like, ironically, the one that I can think of in the in the recent years is the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, or whatever that, the Battle Memorial. The, memori- ba- the Iron Bar. Yeah. The Andre Grusadoff Memorial Battle Royal <laughs> Iron Bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, is just a big trophy. Um, so anyway, so he's he's all stoked about it. And it's pretty much, I think, at this point, leading up to... So wait, hold on, I'm sorry. This is January 87... 80, January 87. January okay. 17th yep. on the uh, primetime episode on the network, if you want to follow along. The Kamala thing is on our YouTube playlist, Hunt. Uh, Hogan vs. Andre the Pull Apart. So at this point, I guess the reason I was asking um, the year... They know where they're going with this, right? Um, Absolutely. So seeds have been planted. Yeah. They're pulling the trigger. So the next week on Piper's Pit, which is this on like um, Raw? Like, what is is Raw? This is Superstars thing? of Wrestling. Their Saturday okay. morning show. We got to cover the end of that uh, Piper's Pit where they give oh, Hogan sorry. the trophy bill. So yeah, Hogan says, this is just as good as going to the mountaintop that first time, brother. This has got to be just as great. And then Andre the Giant walks onto the set. Oh yeah, dumb an idiot. To be a champion, it's a long time. It's a long time, yes. Well, well, nice trophy, a nice trophy here. There you go, Hogan. Then Andre just walks off, and Piper's like, uh, well, congrats on your trophy, man. And then... He kind of pulls the mic half away, but you can still hear him as an audience member what he says. And he's just like, what the hell was that about? And and Hogan just kind of shrugs like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's good. Good symmetry um, for the next week, which (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Jack Tony has another trophy where he wants to honor another extraordinary athlete, he says. But there's no... (laughs) There's no anniversary or anything. It's just, we love Andre the Giant. I'll read what's on the trophy. This man is the all-time greatest athlete in the history of wrestling. This man is the only undefeated wrestler in the WWF history. Please join me in saluting the one and only So he gives Andre the trophy. He comes out and he looks somewhat happy. Um, <laughs> Piper but, says, you know, like, do you have any comments? And Andre says, yeah, I have just one thing to say. And then Hogan storms on set. Yeah, which is, this and, is what I was thinking of earlier, where it kind of gives the feeling that Hogan is trying to take the the limelight from, from Andre. Um, you know, see, from I, this big moment of getting a random trophy that means nothing. <laughs> And well, okay, so this is what I wanted to ask you about because this is to me, this feud is the closest thing we've gotten to Brett versus Owen, where mm-hmm. you kind of have two guys you can see each guy's point, okay? Right. So 
before Andre can get that one thing he has to say out of his mouth, Hogan serves on set and Roddy Piper just goes like, hey, you know, and he immediately puts the mic in front of Hogan. I'm sure that you must have some things to say to your many, many fans. Well, yeah, I got only one thing to say. starts you know saying like what most people don't know about andre he's not only the giant but he's got a giant heart he's a giant of a human being and then he starts thanking the world wrestling federation for recognizing who hulk hogan feels is the true champion of superstars the ultimate pro wrestler and you know while he's saying all this andre just sort of turns around and walks off and hogan's so busy you know, like essentially like talking about how great Andre the Giant is that he doesn't even notice. So when Hogan turns, you know, to say like, this guy's the best of all time, Andre, Andre's not there. Yeah. I, he, Andre pulls a lot of Joey Tribbiani's in this feud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm out of here. It's funny because like, you know, I love heels and I've never been a Hogan fan. He's, um, just wasn't one of my people but watching all of these old videos i'm a hundred percent on hogan's side (laughs) i'm just (laughs) like he's just a um i mean he's just a good guy like he's just like trying his best right like he's kind of not noticing some of like andre's feelings and stuff like that but it's all coming from a good place I, i I feel like watching it and it feels like Andre is kind of just being like a little bit of a whiner. There's a, a line <laughs> later on. Um, well, I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but it, essentially the, the feeling is, you know, it's like Hogan never did. There's no action that he did. Right. It's like the thing that they kind of bring up later is that he didn't give him a title shot, but like Hogan saying, I would have given you one if you would have asked, you know, like I'm essentially, I'm not doing anything wrong. And if you're mad, like just essentially talk about, talk through it as like friends would do. So, so yeah, I'm not on his side. You're not on Andre's side. Which I guess neither was like all of America. So it's not that (laughs) not of a take, but. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes um and again like hogan coming out during this the way that uh bobby heenan will paint it later if you know where this is going is that hogan was trying to steal andre's moment and the way that these characters are portrayed you think like no hogan 
obviously last week noticed that something was a little bit off with his friend. And so he's coming out this week to try to make it up to him. You know, Andre gets his trophy and Hogan comes out and he's treating this like it's an even bigger deal than when Hogan got his trophy. Like this is even more deserved. He calls Andre, you know, the champion of superstars. And he thanks the WWF for recognizing his role model, you know, the and Andre just walks off like, yeah, yeah, done. Yeah, they play it really well. This this is what I mean. I was telling James before we started recording, like, I really love this feud. So even watching that Andre the Giant documentary that I loved, this feud is, you know, maybe what, like 35% of it or something. It's not the whole thing. And being a 30, almost 36-year-old, like, I have only seen this stuff from, you know, watching, you know, if you watch WrestleMania 3 on the network, um, you get the two little interviews with them and that, and then the match. Like, you don't have all of this buildup. And it really makes you think, like, how much, how important this stuff is, right? So, like, we just watched WrestleMania 36 and without going into all that again, because we already did, it's, it's up. Um, excuse me you know i was like kind of down on a lot of the stuff from mania this year but i also haven't been watching the last six months so i'm i'm not comparing uh bobby lashley to um andre the giant or anything but i'm wondering if some of those matches i would have given a little bit of a better rating if i had watched like week to week and really got to pay attention to all the stories without just expecting them to give them to me in like a two-minute promo right before the match happens. I think you would, and I think I would too if I'd actually seen this stuff on TV instead of just reading about the results every week. But, and again, I, I even liked the show. But yeah. one of the things you bring up is one of the things that I know you and I both love about wrestling in that it's contextual. You know, there are multiple ways to enjoy wrestling. There's the action the violence the fighting you know the wrestling matches we love those but then there's the dramatic storytelling the rivalries the good versus evil we love that but then there's also the um entertainment factor from commentary a lot of times you know the jokes being made there the excitement portrayed there and then there's the live audience what i have called before like the world's longest running social experiment um it's it's all good. It's all entertaining. And so, yeah, on the network, watching WrestleMania 3, you get the interviews. Whenever they do a history, like to this day, they'll always start on what Josh and I just kind of talked about, the trophies. Uh, or, you know, just like Hogan ripping or Andre ripping Hogan's shirt. Yeah. But the stuff that we just covered, like, you know, the slow build, Andre's return, the feud with Bobby right before that why that would make it so anathema that they're together. Nobody ever talks about that. This is rare footage that we're covering here. And I think it's honestly, it's the stuff that makes this feud. It gives it so much depth. It's like the Brett Owen stuff, you know, it took them months to get around to the match, to even get around to the fact that they're going to have one at all. This Hogan Andre stuff is similar. It was like two months before it looked like, whoa, they're, something's not right here you know yep yeah i never really get, like quote got it until 
we watched all this stuff now because I was just like, oh, you know, it's classic. You know, he freaking body slams this giant dude and um, Hogan was crazy popular. Like, that's the story, you know. Um, but that documentary gives, like, a behind-the-scenes story of, like, what was going on with Andre, like, in his personal life and stuff. But, like you said, you never really see the actual, like, backstory uh, kayfabe. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, I mean, almost all my favorite views have like a slow burn beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. This one definitely has a wonderful, nuanced, slow burn beginning, and it makes everything that follows it even better. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I'm curious where it's going because I'm only caught up to like Mania 3, so I don't, I don't know if there's a ton after that, but um, but I'm all in, so okay. Do you have anything else, James, for this trophy silliness? Okay, so with the Andre segment, you know, after Andre walks off, Hogan, again, he tries to cover for him. He takes the mic again, and he says, like, look, that that guy, that's the biggest bundle of modesty you'll ever see in your life. How about it one more time for Andre the Giant? And people clap their hands. And again, Hogan just looks kind of like embarrassed and confused by what just happened with his friend, his hero. (laughs) He kind of comes off a little dumb (laughs) Um, (laughs) in in hindsight, but I'll be a lovable, I think. Um, Yeah, definitely. I'm going to make room for him on my top 50 list after this feud, James. (laughs) Good, 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 good. Yes. Next is another Piper's Pit trophy segment. I just this think it's time, if you look at the YouTube playlist, it's just like three little preview images in a row of Roddy Piper standing next to a bunch of trophies. <laughs> I did notice I accidentally put the contract signing on our playlist twice on YouTube, right? Yeah. So it totally exists. Can James load the same video multiple times? <laughs> So this one is um, the one I was referencing earlier where Jesse Ventura comes out <laughs> to investigate, essentially. Yeah, uh, so Roddy Piper, they got both trophies that were presented there, and Piper kind of, you know, offhandedly says, like, seems to be the year for awards, doesn't it? <laughs> but I know someone who's making a big fuss about it. I don't understand why. I thought both the presentations were very well done. I would like my next guest... Jesse the Body Ventura, the Mike Wallace of professional wrestling. I'd like Jesse the Body Ventura to come on out here if he wants to. Wonderful, just wonderful to see you. Piper puts it to him, says like, so what are you making a big deal about? Um, and and Jesse kind of does this like cool little recap of the angle, right? All I'm saying is this, look at it. There was a reinstatement that took place a while back of Andre the Giant, right? Yeah. Now this reinstatement, right away it was fishy to me. I mean, Andre wasn't even at it. He didn't even attend. Have you heard him talk? Bobby the Brain Heenan was there. Now you know they're bitter enemies, and yet Andre gets reinstated. Now that caused me to wonder just what is going on here. And Jesse the Body Ventura, nobody hides nothing from me. And I went out 
and I found out just what was going on, and you can't believe what is coming down, what the body knows is gonna happen. Essentially, <laughs> the pointing out what the crowd needs to know, right? So, like, um, Andre's trophy is smaller, um, it's not made of real gold, just that right. kind of stuff of just saying, even in giving these two an award, Hogan's getting the better treatment. Hey, I'll tell you what I do want to talk about. I want to talk about Andre the Giant and these trophies. What about him? What about him? Look at him. Here's Hogan's trophy. It looks about one foot bigger, don't it? Yeah. Andre's looks a foot smaller. Yeah. Now you take a look at the records, man. Andre the Giant, 15 years he has never been beaten. Yeah. 15 years. Okay. Hulk Hogan has been champion for three years, and believe me, he has ducked some people. I loved Jesse's, like, heel, like, na 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 line. Did you take that? What, what was that? What he, so, you mean? Go ahead. Yeah, Jesse says, you know, like, this is what we were referencing earlier. He says, like, so I determined to get to the bottom of this. And he says, what he has found out is bigger than Watergate, bigger than Irangate. Oh, it's yeah. bigger than all of it. And um, Jesse says, you won't believe what I have found out. And Rowdy Piper, who had just been harassing him, is like, oh, wait, wait, I'm interested. Okay, let's hear this. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Jesse says, you know, when you got a big jewel, like a crown jewel, that that only you have. Yeah. It's knowledge, you know, and what has happened here is worse than Watergate. It's worse than Irangate. It's worse than all of it. And the body has this knowledge like the crown. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get to the point. I'm getting to the point. I know, you don't, nobody else knows, and I ain't talking. (laughs) Jesse says... You know, Hogan has been only champ has only been champion for three years, and believe me, he has been ducking some people. And then Piper, formerly Hogan's number one enemy, comes to his defense in like this really cool moment. Wait, wait, he says, like, if in- if anybody would know if Hogan's ducking anybody or not, it would be me. But right. the so kind of history been- reference being that Hogan and Piper feuded for like a year. Yep. He said and he's so, been in the ring with both of them, and and Hogan's a stand-up guy, essentially. Yeah, he says, like, neither one of them are ducking anybody. Yeah. Jesse, you know, kind of brings up that, you know, it seems like they have a difference of opinion. And, and you know, Piper, it's obvious you and I have a difference of opinion here. Yeah, it is quite obvious. A we big do. difference yeah, of opinion. Yeah. So what the do you want to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what. There's two ways we can settle it. What? The first way is you and I step into the ring. Find me fair, brother. Shall we go now? There's a second way. Oh, oh, now, now there's a second way to finish it. The second way we can settle this is to get the two men involved out here in a discussion, just a discussion. And I'll tell you what, Andre the Giant owes me a favor. I will produce 
Andre the Giant right here next week. Can you produce Hogan? You damn betcha, man. You want him one-on-one? -on -one? I'll get Hogan. You get Andre. Piper says, like, yeah, big difference. And they start yelling at each other. And then Jesse says, there are two ways we can handle it. First way is to get into the ring. And Piper just goes, like, well. And everybody starts cheering. <laughs> and Piper starts, like, taking his T-shirt out from his kill. And he says, like, you can find me there. Shall we go now? And then Jesse goes, wait, wait, there's a second way. <laughs> Piper's like, oh, now there's a second way. Okay. <laughs> and, um. So Jesse says the second way is that we get Hogan and Andre out here next week for a discussion. And he clarifies just a discussion. And he says, and Andre the Giant happens to owe me a favor. I can produce Andre. Can you produce Hogan? And Piper and classic Piper style kind of looks to the side like this might be a challenge. And then just goes, you damn betcha, man. <laughs> and... That's how they end so it. He is, he is. Piper says, you know, like, next week this is happening, and he walks off, and Jesse is just kind of left there and loading, turns to the crowd and points down, like, at the pit, like, right here, next week, right here. This was such a cool thing and that I thought it made, like, Hogan and Andre both look like massive stars, right? Yeah. Like, both. Roddy Piper's a huge star, Jesse's a huge star, and they're both you know, going into this was like, okay, these guys are so in demand. This is going to be very difficult to pull off. But Andre owes me a favor, and Piper, you know, just with his acting, was like, okay, this will be difficult. But no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yes, I'll produce Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, is it possible that I could find Hulk Hogan uh, <laughs> right. on the weekly TV show that all the other wrestlers are at? <laughs> Yo! Uh, Hoggy baby, how you doing? Huh, what do you want? Well, boy, I I got it right right up to here. I got you in it. You see, I went on the pit and said that next week uh, you had yourself a head to head discussion with uh, Andre the Giant, cousin Jesse Ventura. I don't know. I just lost my head and I said you'd be there. Will you be there? Be there? Will you, you be there? Yeah, I'll be there. I told you be there. I told you be there. <laughs> Break it down, it's kind of comical, but I just thought it was like yeah. this cool little subtle way to make it seem like, oh, these guys are a big deal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And even like with Heen in there too, like doesn't hurt. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Piper introduces Hogan and then Jesse builds up Andre and then gives the classic sound bite Andre, whoa, the giant. And when he says, whoa, is because when Andre steps out, Bobby the Brain Heenan is walking with him. And then, like you said, Hogan just starts, like, melting down right then. Like, what are you doing here with him? You, you guys are together. This isn't Andre. This isn't real. Tell me what's going on right now. Seven foot four, 500 pounds, Andre! Whoa, the giant! Wait, what's going on here? Hold on, man. What are you doing with him? You guys aren't together. Come on, man. Andre, what are you doing here with Heenan? What's going on? Andre, listen, man. You can't be here with him. Don't you know what Heenan's done to me? To these people out here since you've been gone? He's, he's like, beside himself. Which I love, like, just how, how much 
people hated Bobby Hino. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. you can't even be, like, standing next to him. But, you know, it's because he symbolized heels, right? And, like, it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to Hogan that his best friend, his hero, this guy that has been um, a babyface for 15 years would be standing next to, like, the manager to the heels. By this point, I know that you said you love this feud, you've been loving it, but, like, by this point, are you hooked? Oh, like, yeah. The first time you know this, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah and this, this, um, this next thing that we're going to talk about, I was, it's one, again, it's one of those things that you have seen a lot in clips and stuff, but with the added build, I was just like, this is crazy. Like I it's perfect. I wanted to like get in a time machine and like go back to then and see it for the first time as like a ten year old or something. Like <laughs> so it's it's basically it's when Andre turns on Hogan. Um <laughs> so yeah, this is easily one of the five most famous non wrestling segments in wrestling history. <laughs> so I I think I was um, trying to remember when, like, so in WrestleMania 3, do they go back to this at all for the build-up? Like, as far as, like, the um, video packages and stuff like that? They showed kind of the comp video package. It's not like this super produced thing that they have now with like background music and like you know perfect audio synchronization it was more just like a series of like 10 15 20 second clips like fade in fade out i think so in a row. I, I was gonna say i i can do a um recap of it but i feel like i'm gonna be you know what i always think about james is the um episode of the office where <laughs> um Kevin's doing a impression of Chris Rock and Michael's freaking out because he's butchering it and he has to take over and do it himself. <laughs> you remember that? I do. That's You're much better than that. I don't know. Because basically what I wrote down was like, you know, Hogan is, um, Hogan and Andre are both out there and Hogan is trying to piece it together. Again, like I said, he kind of comes off a little dumb. Um, but on Andre's kind of like side is Bobby Heenan. And so really Hogan's mostly just freaking out that they're together like at all, right? Like, what are what are you doing here with him? Essentially is what he keeps asking. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, so they... You know. Uh, right, yeah. And when Hogan's melting down, he... Starts essentially, you know, when Bobby tries to say something, Hogan grabs him like back, and it's like he starts telling Andre, like, "Remember who you are. Remember who you are." He's like, "No, no, no, Andre, you're the one that taught me about fair play, that respect for the fans, about you know doing what's right by the kids." And again, just kind of recapping like all these life lessons he learned and saying like, "This don't you know what this guy's done to to the people to you." Like, don't you remember any of this? It can't be so, Andre. Listen to me. Day one, man, when I set my eyes on you, brother, you're the reason I got in professional wrestling. You were like a god to me, a role model. 
You can't be here with him, man. You're the one that took me all the way from nothing to the world's title. Andre, you can't be with him, man. No, no, wait one minute. You're the one that taught me, man, about respect for the fans, about helping the kids. You're the one that taught me about good sportsmanship. You set the, the mold for me to follow, man. What are you doing here with him? I'll tell you what he's doing here with me. He's sick and tired of you and what you stand for. Let me tell you something, Hogan. You're the one that for three years as world champion used this man. You're also the vermin that made this man... I can't tell you what I think about it. You used him, they gave him a trophy. But no, that wasn't good enough. It was a littler trophy than yours. But you had to walk out and steal that moment. You're so jealous of this man, you can't stand it. He, oh, this is the man for 15 years that is undefeated. But did you ever once? No, man, you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong. I love Hogan and later on too in this, like a lot of the times. He does this just kind of very dismissive of Bobby Heenan. Like a lot of times the you know, the baby face will like take the bait and like argue with him and sometimes put their hands on him and that kind of stuff. But really like to me it showed that it was more like personal for Hogan. Like it wasn't just like um I'm trying to think of another one, but you know, just of of course you're not gonna like the heel, you're the you're the face of the company. It's like he doesn't even care about Bob. Bobby Keenan's just not even part of in the contract signing spoiler. <laughs> like he's staring at Andre the entire time, like doesn't acknowledge. I mean, at one point he does, but for the most part, doesn't look over at Bobby Heenan at all. It's all like he's just breaking his heart, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a cool I didn't even notice that and playing this in my head right now, like you're exactly right. Yeah. And that's great. That's so great. You know, he like, he's done with him. He's like, I know what you're about. You're a slime ball. You're a con man. You're nothing. But like, I would expect this from you essentially, but yeah, but but Andre, come on, you're better than this. What's going on? Yeah. He mentions a few times (laughs) about all the, uh, children and all the kids and stuff and i meant to say that earlier when he was um andre won that award he was talking about how great he was and he had mentioned like what he meant to all the kids which i thought was a really good um tidbit for the the audience to remind them like of how great of a person he was that way when he does this heel turn it's even that more emphatic yeah, it's that more much more sinister. You know, it's him saying like, "Forget all that. What about me?" And he puts his hands on Andre's shoulders, and Andre speaks for the first time, and he says, "Take your hands off me, you damn dirty ape." Remember? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he said that. <laughs> That's what this is from, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's a famous line from that promo. <laughs> yeah. He- Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go I ahead. I was just going to say, he's, he says that he's essentially only there to challenge for the title. When I won the world title, he poured champagne over my head. It was like a bond of friendship. You're wrong, Ian. Did you ever once, once in your life, offer him a championship match? You laughed behind his back. No, Andre, listen, it's not happening. Tell me it's not so, man. 
Even though you came out here with him, you don't have to leave with him. It's not happening. Thank you, Ansel, my shoulders. One more thing to say to you, Hogan. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm here for one reason. To challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre, what are you doing, man? You can't leave like this, man. What are you doing, Andre? You can't my cross the shirt. What's wrong with him, man? You can't leave like this. You're bleeding. It's not out. Andre, come back, man. You don't have to leave like this. What no, is he no, doing? Man. You're bleeding. Jesus. What's come, come. Come on. At first, you're kind of like. I don't know. I just picture like myself as a kid thinking like, okay, maybe he's just, you know, wants a match and that's it. It's not personal at at this point, you know. Uh, yes. I only want the title. Like, I'm not really here to to get all into that kind of business and stuff. But <laughs> he he tears his shirt off <laughs> and like not in a. Uh, Hogan tears tears his shirt off in every other freaking time he's on screen. It's more um, aggressive, and he breaks his cross necklace um, at yeah. the same time. And it cuts Hulk on the chest, and he starts bleeding. And like <laughs> the most serendipitous accident to happen, probably in all of wrestling for about ten years. Oh, I just assumed he bladed for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete accident. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, and then and he picked right up on it, <laughs> yeah, he did. And so Andre walks off, and the crowd is losing their mind because you know that's it's essentially official now. Like, Andre it's turned heel, that's the that's the chain music to the barbershop window or whatever, that's right? Uh, and uh, Hogan's screaming, like, Come on, Andre, you can't leave like this, you can't leave. And Hogan's like on his knees trying to, you know, he's picking up his cross, he's crying, and Piper drops him one knee and says, like, hold on, you're bleeding. And Hogan again just starts screaming for Andre, and Piper goes, wait, you're bleeding. And he walks Hogan to the back, and that's the end of this incredibly iconic scene, and oh my gosh, this whole thing to me was no perfect on every beat. It was so yeah, good. For sure, absolutely. And, um, that is also the end of part one. Uh, James, are you liking this feud? Loving the feud. And I want to bring up, Josh and I had essentially talked about ending this first episode at WrestleMania 3, right? Yep. We're way too excited about all these little things going on to where essentially we just talked for the last Almost what, hour, right. 15, 90 minutes. Yep. <laughs> Just getting to the part where Andre turns heel officially. What a great feud. It's really good. You, I I know, like, I'm sure we have friends that listen just because they're nice and everything. But if you're not a wrestling nerd, go find some of this stuff and just watch. I mean, most of it is on that YouTube playlist. Um, 
Yeah, tonight or tomorrow, by the way, I'll put up like our official playlist on our Facebook page at the Pull Apart Podcast. Is it the Pull Apart or the Pull Apart Podcast? I forget. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> I, I think it's the Pull Apart, but you'll find I'll it. Put, yeah, I'll put up the playlist in the comments section. But man, this stuff was so fun to rewatch. And to me, like popularity, I don't know if it's Pete Hogan or not. Um, there's a definite argument that it is, but I say performance this is peak hawk hogan this stuff is amazing yeah i i really like i said before like him it's all clicking why hogan was so good i mean i i just never got it i was just like you know i was too old for warrior and other old dudes but at least understood like what the draw was for hogan i was like it's a freaking leg drop this is finisher like i'm just hung up on his finishing move and um you know it's just it just didn't get it but this like i totally understand why everybody loved him and wh- especially why kids would love him i mean at the contract signing his arms look freaking bigger than my head i mean they had to be like they're just he's like looks like a superhero um so yeah, he had twenty-four inch gardener snakes, brother. Well, it's funny because I was gonna say this later on, but he talks about how big his arms are at one point. He says they're the biggest arms in the world. I'm like, pretty sure Andre's arms are bigger, but I know what you're getting at. So, um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's great, and um, I, I can't wait to talk about the rest of it now. <laughs> yeah, well, we are pumping these out um, more often than usual because of the unfortunate circumstances. So you won't have to wait long. Uh, We do have some other silliness thrown in um, here and there, but we'll get to it soon. So you want to preview our next sidebar episode? Now that we have this sidebar category. I'm thinking of this uh, chronologically. So next week we're going to take a break from Andre Hogan. We're going to talk about, our favorite Lord of the Rings moments. Um, yes. Top five Lord of the Rings moments. Know, we we changed it to five from ten um, based on just, um, I don't know. just There's only three Lord of the Rings movies, you know. Right. I mean, they are probably the same amount of time as all <laughs> Star Wars. Period. I do own the um, extended cuts of each movie. Yeah. And each cut is like seven and a half hours long. <laughs> That's great. I <laughs> Slight love exaggeration, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, we will be doing that next week with uh, probably assuming everybody's ready to go and stuff. The same crew that we did the Star Wars with. Um, and we'll be back after that with part two of Andre Hogan. So Yeah, so everybody have a good week. And I know there's... A lot that makes us insecure in these times right now. But while you're wrestling through that, keep in mind there are three things in life you can always count on. Death. Taxes. And and Randy Randy Savage. Savage. See you next time. Take care of yourself. Superstar? 
He was the biggest and greatest superstar this business has ever known and ever will know. I mean, he was Andre the Giant. He's the one that laid the groundwork for Hulk Hogan, for Stone Cold Steve Austin, for The Rock, for anybody else that walks through this, these doors of the WWE universe. It wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Andre the Giant. Um, you know, and, and to know him as a superstar, the Giant, I remember when I was a fan, I used to watch him and he would just put his hand on the top rope and lean over the top rope when he was in his prime and I would just look at his hip and his leg hanging off the ring. It looked like a Clydesdale. You know, it was bigger than anything I'd ever seen and never dreamed I'd be friends with him or ever get to meet him. But, you know, fast forward to, you know, him being the greatest of all time and as a person, what he went through. Because if I would walk behind him in the airport, I would hear, oh my gosh, did you see that guy? Or a lot of very unkind things were said, you know, and he could hear him. And, and for him to walk through and be as kind of a person as he was and as gentle of a person, because if he would have been a mean person, there would have been none of us around. There would have been, talk about the guy that never got pinned, that would have been the guy.